You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Take one. Take one. Good job. I'm Jeff. Uh, that was Ken uh, joining me in the studio, and I'm also joined today by Neil. How are you gentlemen doing? doing? Pretty good. Um, kind of turning over a new leaf in my life and uh, kind of embracing the holistic stuff. Dropped some essential oils in my uh, diffuser today, and I think they're called essential oils because essentially you're just throwing your money in the garbage, <laughs> right? What kind of oils are we talking here? Like peppermint? A little peppermint, little tea tree, little lemon peel. Lemon peel. I bet you put some tea tree in your beard because it's very luscious. No, no, no. No? No tea tree no, oil? Not, not today. Oh, not today. I do have some beard oils, though. But uh, thank you for uh, the compliment. Appreciate you're welcome. It. And <laughs> while the two of them uh, fawn over each other, I'm going to introduce our guests. Uh, joining us from uh, just outside of St. Louis, but a fellow Illinoisian, uh, Zach Nolik uh, is our Triviality Superstar. How are you doing today, Zach? Is that how you pronounce that? Illinoisian? I, I believe so. Illin- Illinoisian? for me. Yeah. Um, Illinoisian? Hi, guys. Yeah, it's great, it's great to be on. Yeah, so uh, I am in uh, in Glen Carbon, Illinois, which is a suburb of St. Louis on the, on the other side of the Mississippi. My main job is uh, is tutoring high school kids in math. I, I do that for about 20 hours a week. And, and to make up the difference, I... Uh, I think my other job is probably more interesting. I work in uh, in sports statistics oh. in the TV business. Um, and so from time to time, if you're watching a baseball game and uh, the announcer says something really interesting that you don't think he knew off the top of his head, uh, there's somebody like me sitting next to him who just looked that up. Ah, that's how the sausage is made. I was going to say, so have you seen Men in Black? Uh, not for a long time. Do you remember the, the little alien inside the guy's head and when you open up the guy's face, there's a little alien controlling everything? <laughs> so you're basically Bob Costas's little alien. So he's really a fraud <laughs> is what you're saying. Oh, I wish I had worked with Bob Costas. Uh, <laughs> he's also a St. Louis guy. So who knows? I may get the chance at some point. But um, yeah, that would be a dream. Very cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I, uh, I never met anybody who did that. And I, I knew there was always somebody, but now I know. Now you have. Yeah. And uh, so thank you, Zach. And uh, also joining us, our other guest today, uh, Caitlin Joyce. She's been on our show before on our Game of Thrones episodes that you would have heard. Uh, And she is a United States champion from Arlington, Virginia. How are you doing today, Caitlin? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Pretty good. good. Welcome back. Yes. 
So yeah. we got to know you a little bit last time. Uh, anything new since? And uh, in Las Vegas. That's for true. Geek Bowl. Yeah, we did go to Geek Bowl. Did a little karaoke. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, I um, am an engineer for a company that makes uh, software for pharma companies. So super interesting, like I told you last time. Um, I've been getting more into training because I have about a month left until my half Ironman I'm doing in June. So getting there. Uh, and I am, oh, I also host trivia on Monday nights here in Arlington area out in Fairfax. So if anybody who's local, come see me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, nothing much different here. Um, And a fan of uh, late 2010s emo, I believe, right? (laughs) Or late 2000s emo? Yes, a fan of late 2000s emo, yes. (laughs) Matt was was queuing up some of the emo karaoke songs and uh, Caitlin was pretty overjoyed. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's it's those are the fun ones. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, only only one of us wears eyeliner in the studio, and he's not here today. Uh, Matt, uh, <laughs> it's Cinco de Mayo today, uh, and Matt uh, loves alcohol, obviously, and uh, Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> obviously. And uh, he went to a bar uh, for Cinco de Mayo, but actually at the bar it was Cinco de Mayo, so he's a little sick because he had to eat a lot of mayo. Oh, it was God. a weird promotion. <laughs> it was a weird Hellman's promotion. <laughs> it didn't help that he was already drunk the last two days, but. Well, the mayo did not help, that's yeah, for sure. it did not. Uh, speaking of uh, promotions, uh, lately we've been seeing a lot of uh, Avengers Endgame yes. uh, stuff on the internet, uh, on TV, in the movies, of course. So uh, we thought we'd choose our team names based on that. Uh, the return of a character, which uh, we missed in Avengers Infinity War, mm-hmm. Ant-Man, of course. But uh, if you know anything about me and Neil, it's that we always fall a little bit short. Yep. So we're going to be Cant-Man today. Yes. Can't man. Can't man. Uh, yeah. So in honor of the wonderful joke, hopefully this isn't a spoiler in the movie, uh, about Captain America's ass, we are going to be Team America's ass. There you go. America's ass and can't man. Let's uh, toss it over to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop! That's America's voice right there. It that is. is. That Darren is, yeah, America's voice. Yeah. No, this time we got Josh Brolin to do it as <laughs> Thanos. So, <laughs> that, Yeah, that would basically be our budget for the next 20 years. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, listeners, there will not be any spoilers for Endgame on this episode. Yes, no spoilers. Zach actually has not seen it. Uh, we've accidentally spoiled the entire movie for him. Um, and we, did, we had to tell him on accident that it is a retelling of Macbeth. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, we, <laughs> honestly, I appreciate it. That saved me the 10 bucks I needed to go to the theater. I feel like I've seen it. There you go. $10. What theater are you going to? <laughs> oh, I'm... He knows the, he knows the, the statistics. I can't even say the word. It's just how <laughs> terrible I am at. This is going to go real well today. Yep. <laughs> so if, uh, if we are all ready, let's uh, get into the game. So, uh, Just as a preface, the first uh, 10 questions of my game today are all listener-submitted questions, so thank you to everyone who submitted a listener-submitted question to me. If you'd like to submit one uh, for any of our hosts, you can do so by emailing us at... 
trivialitypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Neil, because I couldn't remember. Saved his ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. And uh, like we said before, we've been really appreciating all of you sending in questions that are not our forte. So uh, me, you know, science, history, things like that, Jeff, uh, sports, film, um, that really helps us out when we're trying to think of questions. So that way we have a, a comparable difficulty level you know yeah for that's uh that is incredibly useful because i'm not good at writing these so um so thank you uh also for anybody if you feel offended that i changed your question uh please don't uh i made them easier for our hosts and guests because uh, can't man just remember yep can't because man. of can't man <laughs> so <laughs> uh first question uh israel shots asks inspired by a pistons game this season where they scored just eight points in a quarter what is the fewest amount of points scored by a professional NBA team in a quarter? Not for nothing, and if it's any help, this feat has been accomplished twice. The Mavericks did it in 97 against the Lakers, and the Warriors in 2004 against the Raptors. Okay, we are going to lock in with a guess that's between uh, 0 and 8. Um, so, I don't think this would be too low. I don't think it would be lower than 5. I think five or six is probably a good yeah. guess i was thinking six just because uh, uh, like two points per basket kind of thing yeah. most of okay. the time so and yeah I was six thinking was six. the number that i was leaning towards too so let's go for it all right let's do six Lock and in. we are gonna say uh one basket lower at four all right so uh the pistons did pretty appallingly at eight uh and it wasn't for nothing but twice two teams have scored only Two points. Oh. A single oh basket in a single quarter. Wow. That's unfortunate. This was an off day. Two off days. Two, yeah, true. Were they playing against the Harlem uh, Globetrotters? <laughs> they were not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question in the round comes from Josh Head, and he wants to know, uh, if you want to get high and never come down, you should probably visit the country of Lesotho as it has the highest low elevation point on Earth at 1,400 meters. What country completely surrounds the small nation of Lesotho? You got this right. <laughs> I can lock this in. Oh, you can? Yeah. Wonderful. Oh. So what continent do we think Lesotho is on? Lesotho. I'm saying Asia or Africa. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Lesotho. And we're talking about the, the highest low elevation point? Yeah, that? correct. It is the highest country on Earth. You know what? Let's say that by it's low maybe, maybe crammed up there, like by uh, Pakistan and India and like that region. So let's mm -hmm. say maybe India. Okay, I'm fine with that. Um, unfortunately, you guys are in the wrong continent. Um, it is actually down in, in Africa. And the country that completely surrounds it is South Africa. Hmm. Mm. That is correct. Team America's ass getting 10 points on that one. It is Ooh. the country of South Africa. Yeah, my Leonardo DiCaprio Blood Diamond uh, movie knowledge did not help me on that one, that's for did, sure. Didn't, uh, didn't so, run deep enough. So no. South Africa has one full enclaved country and one partial enclaved country. Mm -hmm. And Lesotho is the largest country to be completely surrounded by another country. The smallest, obviously, being Vatican City. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Mm. Two million people live there. And Lesotho? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Josh, for that question. Although we do know that it was Henry who wrote that question. Yeah, right. Thank so, you, Henry, for thank that you, question. Henry. Nice try, Josh. <laughs> All right. Question three comes to us from Luke McKay. With a name like Robert Underdunk Twerliger Jr. and his size 22 shoes, it sounds like this Simpsons character would be right at home on the basketball court. However, Robert is better known as what Simpsons side character? Got it. Good, because I have no idea. 
I wish that the question had stopped after the name. I think this is Sideshow Bob. That would be my guess, too. Because um, it wouldn't be Krusty the Clown. I'm thinking, like, clown shoes, because that would be too obvious. Well, I think his name is Krustovsky. Yeah, he's anyway. Christo- He's like a yeah. Jewish character, I think. So, yeah, I would say Sideshow Bob is probably my guess. All right, let's go with that. Lock that in. And locking in with uh, definitely Sideshow Bob. Yep, both teams are getting credit on this one. That is Sideshow Bob. Can't man can get the answer to this question. It's the first one they got right this game. Yep. At least around the board. It's only been three questions, so let's (laughs) take it easy, Jeff. I mean, with a name like Can't Man, you got to deliver. Not too bad. Let's remember Paul Rudd in the first Ant Man movie. It took him a little while to get get the Pym particle thing understood. So it's just going to take us a little bit. We're we're thieves here. We're common thieves. Just stealing points. Yeah. I'll be Michael Pena. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. And the next several questions come from Isaiah Hall. Thank you, Isaiah. I appreciate this Ooh, very several. much. Several. Yes. He sent me a smattering of them and I picked my favorites. So nice. Question four in the round. There are only two actors that have been nominated for Oscars for acting in every decade from 19, from the 1960s through the 2000s. Name either actor. You said two? There are two. I specifically mean best okay. actor, actor or best supporting actor. All right. That changes my answer. <laughs> um, I think one of those is for sure. Or that's for sure. Um, let uh, me just go through it. Let's just lock in. You just want to lock in? All right. Yeah, we're fine. I, I okay. have a good guess here. So we're going to lock in. Let's see here. I'm just going to throw out names. I don't know if any yeah, of these are names. stupid um, like Robert Redford. That could be. Or... He also, I'm not sure what he did. Oh, Horse Whisperer. When was that? Oh, man, this is so hard. Um, all right, I can't think of anything better, so let's go Robert Redford. Okay, lock that in. Uh, so we uh, immediately wrote down one name. We felt really confident about it. I believe he's the most nominated actor of all time at the Oscars, and I'm pretty sure he was nominated each decade, and we put down... He always gets a front row seat, too. He always gets a front row seat, and it's so bright he has to wear sunglasses, so we put Jack Nicholson. <laughs> All right, so uh, the two actors that received uh, nominations for those five consecutive decades were Michael Caine and Jack Nicholson. All right. So, ah, nice. well done to Can't Man. You blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> We've already done this bit. I know, I know. It it's never gets old. No, any any excuse for Jimmy Bowes to come back, right? Oh, no, that, that was <laughs> my, my Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> I failed you. <laughs> she was only 16 or so, whatever the line is. I can't even remember. 17. Please oh. move on. That aside, uh, we'll move on to question five. The organization that produces coins in the United States is the U.S. Mint. What organization is responsible for designing and making paper money? This always makes me think of how cool Australia's money is and ours is not. Yeah. There's a weird thing about this. Um, Speaking of, you owe me a lobby. A lobby? Yeah, a lobster. That's a, that's oh. a bill. Slime oh. for a... 20 oh anyways <laughs> there's something weird about this one where um the secret service is somehow involved oh okay do you remember that well i know they're involved with with money um that's their primary i mean the treasury would be the other possible answer but i think secret service has something to do with it so i think we should say that you said what organization or what what organization yeah let's go secret yeah. service i know that they're they deal with money primarily not protecting anyone we kind of thought that the treasury was a little bit too high up on the scale that it might be out of their, like, out of their purview. Um, so we eventually decided on the Federal Reserve. 
And uh, I just remembered a weird fact about the Secret Service somehow being involved in um, printing of money. So we said Secret Service. Well, unfortunately, neither team getting credit on this. The uh, the correct answer is the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. Oh. So what was I thinking of, Jeff? The Secret Service. Uh, they're the ones who are responsible for trying to figure out um, and track down like money laundering and other fraud-related things. I think there was something else, but okay. Question six in the round. The Pulitzer Prize for music had only ever been given to classical and jazz musicians. That is until 2018, when which artist won the award for his 2017 album? Locked in. Um, so Neil wrote down uh, Bob Dylan, but uh, his was for writing. Oh, it's for writing? Yeah. Oh, and this is for music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Could it be um, maybe Leonard Cohen or um, Springsteen maybe? I don't mind that answer. Because he passed away too. Like, I can't remember this happening. I, I don't remember it happening either. Let's, uh, I like Leonard Cohen. Okay. Um, so you guys mentioned Bob Dylan, and I think he actually won a Nobel Prize rather than a Pulitzer. I think he won the Nobel for literature um, for his writing. Um, this was kind of, a, I think, a little bit of a controversy last year when this happened because it had never been given to anyone even close to this before. I'm pretty sure that the Pulitzer winner last year was Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, Neil, you're going to be kicking yourself and saying damn on this one because it's Kendrick Lamar. Wow, okay. All right. Yeah, well done on that. Question seven. A majority vote happens when a candidate or proposition has over half the votes. What is the word that refers to when one has more votes than any other but does not have a majority? So I've been watching Veep. I just started it. I love it. Um, about, I'm in the fourth season. Um, I don't even know if they've mentioned this word before, and I was trying to think of it, but I can't pull it on my end, so... Yeah, I'm trying to just kind of remember um, hearing things in the news and stuff like that. Um, let's say uh, it's not it's not this, but let's just say super majority cause, or sub majority. I don't know. Sub majority? Yeah, that's fine. Super. Okay, sub majority. <laughs> Gonna make up a thing. All right. I actually have no idea why it's called this. The word doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but um, I know what they call this is a plurality. Hmm. So the, you're locking in with plurality. And yes. uh, in the UK, it's called a relative majority. Sorry, Ken and Neil. Which makes sense. Uh, but yeah, here in the US, North America, it's known as a plurality. Yep. Because hmm. there's a plural amount of options, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. But it is the most prevalent or popular among the options. So, so we're not mm-hmm. just adding S's to everything. That's what yep. you're saying. Okay. We're not. I'm hoping this... Uh... As we keep going, I stop letting you carry the team because I'm not getting any of these right now. <laughs> hey, just, just, just when you get a chance to coast, you just coast. You yeah, just enjoy I'm, it. I'm, I'm coasting. I'm going to stop locking in. We're going to discuss everything. Now. I should just shut my mouth because I'm not right on <laughs> then, anything. <laughs> then what we need are a few more movie questions because I was absolutely helpless. <laughs> yeah, pop culture. <laughs> oh, the next yeah. question is about 2000s emo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll get there, but... Okay. Question eight is courtesy of Taylor Cook. This 1999 film with an enigmatic cast featuring Jeffrey Rush, Greg Kinnear, and Janine Garofalo also had one of the first career roles of comedian Dane Cook. If you watch closely, you may notice that Kel Mitchell also made an appearance at the end. What was this movie? We're going to lock in. Like like I said, I think I I jinxed it because another movie question came up and I, I really don't know. No, it's a 99 is throwing me off a little bit. I'm trying to think of, oh, wait, no, I know. 
<laughs> it's Mystery Men. I don't even know if I've heard of this movie. <laughs> yeah, Janine Garofalo plays like this person who has magical powers where her dad is a head, like a skull inside of a bowling ball and she like throws it at people. <laughs> yeah, William H. Macy's in it too. Yeah, it's all right. It's yeah, basically it's exactly the goodness. same movie as Watchmen. Yeah, but you have you have Hank Azaria with spoons and Greg Kinnear with every type of advertisement on his suit. All right, I think you know it, but what did you guys lock in uh, with? We also locked in with Mystery <laughs> Men. All right, and the correct answer is Mystery Men. Well done. All right. Could have used a little more Jack Nicholson, though. (laughs) (laughs) You got him in a previous question. That's true. Question nine is courtesy of Peter Wen. In 1963, the Easy Bake Oven was introduced to the market, promoting the ingestion of undercooked batter all across the country. What company manufactured the original Easy Bake Oven? This company was later acquired by Hasbro, who eventually shut them down, but continued to produce the oven. I know I had the um, the version of this that was marketed towards boys, the creepy crawlers. Mm-hmm. I had both. Yeah, yeah, you I, had both. I had both. <laughs> I had I had no problem eating my sister's uh, treats that they baked in the Easy Bake Oven, though. So it, the the really I think the question here is it an actual company or is it like a toy company that Hasbro then bought because toy companies didn't have any business making food. I can't remember which one, Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers. I feel like one of them is not around anymore, and it's got to be that one. Parker Parker Brothers? Okay. Okay. We're, All right. We're uh, locked in. Want to lock in with that then? Yeah, let's do All that. Right. Okay, so we're locked in with uh, Fisher Price after some discussion. That's a, that's a pretty good guess. Um, we also took a guess. Uh, we we're kind of between Milton Bradley and Parker Brothers. So we went with Parker Brothers. All right, so uh, Parker Brothers and uh, America's Ass said it was uh, Fisher Price. Unfortunately, uh, the company was called Kenner. Kenner, yeah. Mm-hmm. Should have given me a hint on that All one. Right. I mean, I didn't want to give you a hint on that one, but <laughs> could have given him an. I, we should just call that uh, a Kenner from now on. Like, give him a hint. Give him a Kenner. <laughs> we might be able to incorporate that because we'll I need a Kenner for a, <laughs> for every question. It's, it's like a mulligan, but for trivia, a Kenner. <laughs> All right, and question 10, last one in the first round, is courtesy of Megan Harrell. A ready-made created by Marcel Duchamp in 1917, Fountain was removed from an exhibit hosted by the Society of Independent Artists after becoming privy to the question, what is art? What object was Fountain? Family love Michael? Anyone need that again before I mute? What object was (laughs) Fountain? Correct. (laughs) So Fountain is the name. Of Of the the piece. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, that is correct. Gotcha. Okay. What's ready-made, though? I don't understand that. Yeah. I don't really get what that is in the question. Oh, maybe it's like he just, it was, he didn't actually create it. It was He just placed it. So. You know. Oh, is it, um, is it a toilet, maybe? Yes, it is. A toilet? 100%. I feel that that's jogging my memory. 110%. So, Ken, I, Ken, Kenner is super confident. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> No, I think, you know, I kind of like it because it's just so pompous and obnoxious that that's what it would right. be. <laughs> yeah, I think no matter what, it's going to be a plumbing fixture. I just yeah, don't know I which think so one. Too. Yeah, let's, okay. go, let's go toilet then. Okay, let's do that. Right. Toilet. Yeah. And we Locking also came up with the elegant answer of toilet. Um, after quite a bit of confusion in the studio about ready-made, uh, ready-made basically means it's like a found object, so it was already made. Um and both teams queued in pretty quickly on the being privy to the question because this is a bathroom related uh, item. Oh. You're, uh, I, I did not catch that actually. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, unfortunately, it is not a toilet, oh, though. Get the hell out of here. It's a urinal. Oh. Which uh, I think, I think that, is I think distinctly that, oh, different. That's even more pompous. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so it was rotated 90 degrees and had the inscription R-Mutt on it. It's a pretty mm-hmm. famous piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after that first round, it looks like Cantman has 30 points and America's Ass uh, leading the game so far, 50 points. All right, so today's swing round is going to be courtesy of Chris Eve. Thank you, Chris. Thank it's you. A musical swing round. Nice. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to name for you 10 artists, and uh, I want the group or groups that each artist was associated with. So okay. some of these are going to have multiples, two, even three. So I'll tell you how many I need. Okay. Um, some of these might have more than that, but any two correct answers I'll take for credit. So in, in the case of multiple or... okay. So if, if you ask for three, any three bands that they were in. Yeah, if they happen acceptable. to have been in a fourth one, I'll take any gotcha. combination. Okay, yep. makes sense. So if we are ready, I will read through them. Our first one is going to be Kim Deal. I'm looking for two groups. Second one is going to be Dave Grohl, just two groups. Third one is Amy Mann, one group. Fourth is George Harrison, two groups. Five is Chris Cornell, three groups. Six is Bjork, one group. Seven is Willie Nelson with one group. Eight is Scott Weiland, two groups. Nine, Joan Jett, looking for two groups. And the last is Eric Clapton, three groups. Okay. All right. Uh, We're going to go talk about these in the other room, but Jeff, uh, why don't you tell the people about Patreon? Yeah, absolutely. So Patreon is the way that we support ourselves on the show here. And we're very grateful to our patrons like Zach and Caitlin, who directly support the show financially. If you're interested in doing that and getting a little bit in return, like bonus episodes and signed posters, you can do that at patreon.com slash triviality podcast. And any little bit of support people can provide is very helpful to us. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, without uh, without any more discussion, I think all of the answers are locked in. So uh, if you want to read th- uh, through those questions again, and we'll give our answers. Absolutely. So I'll start with America's ass first on all of these. 
And so uh, on one, Kim Deal, what were the two bands that you had for Kim? So I decided to split the difference here because I couldn't remember who she was. So I wrote The Talking Heads and Blondie. All right. Uh, I happen to know who this is, I'm pretty sure, because I met all the Pixies except for Kim. And uh, the other band that she's in is The Breeders, who I happened to see along with the Foo Fighters a few years ago. And Cantman is correct. The two bands uh, she's most famous for are The Pixies and The Breeders. All right. Second one in the round was Dave Grohl, a little bit more of a notable name. America's asked, what were your two bands for Dave Grohl? So you could go up to five so, or six on this one, I think. <laughs> this is one of the handful of, uh, of these that I think I actually knew independently. Uh, I went with the slam dunk ones of Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Yep, our official answers are Nirvana and the Foo Fighters, though we could also say... Yeah, Queens of the Stone Age, them Crooked Vultures, yep. many more. You, you topped out at four, you got no more? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all of those are acceptable for credit, so uh, Nirvana and Foo Fighters are definitely the most two notable ones for Dave Grohl. All right, we're going to send it over to Cantman. Uh, Amy Mann, what band did you think Amy Mann was in? Yeah, so this one's torturing me because I know there's like a huge like pop rock song of the 90s. That uh, is a band that Amy Mann was in that I discovered was actually Amy Mann's band. And I just could not, it could not come to me. So we just said, uh, due to her featured role in Magnolia's uh, soundtrack, the Magnolia Band. And America's Ass, what did you think uh, for this one? I kept mentally confusing her with Amy Grant. <laughs> so I was <laughs> oh, really baby, off. Oh, Chris, uh, Christmas music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we just locked in with the bangles. All right. Uh, Ken, would it help if I if I said, hush, hush, keep it down now? Voices oh, carry. Oh, no. Really? Till Tuesday? It's till Tuesday. Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. That's 80s, though. Uh, yeah, late. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that one was going to kill you. Oh, man. All right. The fourth artist was George Harrison. Uh, what did you say for the two bands George Harrison is most notable for America's Ass? Well, so the Beatles is is fairly obvious, uh, and the other one that we put down is the Traveling Willberries. Uh, we had the same. Yep, uh, both teams getting credit. It is uh, the Beatles, obviously. I mean, that one feels like a giveaway, and the tricky one there is the Traveling Willberries supergroup. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the true supergroups. I think we'll have a couple supergroups in this next one too. Yeah, I would say so. All right, Chris Cornell. All right, uh, Cantman. What were your three for that? Yes, uh, this is a gentleman that I also had the privilege to meet uh, before his untimely and unfortunate uh, passing. Um, he was performing acoustic with uh, Soundgarden uh, when I met him. So Soundgarden is our first one. Uh, his combo uh, group with my one of my favorite bands, Rage Against the Machine, is Audio Slave. And I'm lastly... hungry! <laughs> Neil's on a hunger strike over there. And uh, with Hunger Strike, uh, Temple of the Dog. All right. And uh, America's Ass, what were your three for Chris? Uh, yeah. So I locked in with Audio Slave and Soundgarden really quick, and we could not come up with the third one. I was like, well, maybe he actually snuck into Rage Against the Machine at one point. And so we put <laughs> Rage Against the Machine, which is no, is wrong. <laughs> no, unfortunately, he wasn't part of Rage. He was part of Soundgarden yeah. and Audio Slave. And the third one, notable for their song, Hunger Strike, is Temple of the Dog. With uh, Pearl Jam yeah. guy, with pearls in his mouth, Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Eddie Vedder. So, fun fact about Eddie Vedder: in college, when we had to do our uh, capstone project, we had to write 
letters to our fake boss for this project, and mm-hmm. we named our pro- our boss Dr. Eddie Vedder. <laughs> <laughs> Professor of linguistics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he sends you back a letter to scribbles. <laughs> All right, and uh, Bjork, notable really for being just Bjork. Yeah. Uh, but what did you say, Campman? What what was the one group she was a part of? Sugar Cubes, I think. And America's Ass. We had absolutely nothing. Uh, we just know that Bjork is Icelandic, so I picked the only Icelandic band I've ever heard of, which is Sigur Ross. Ah, nice. That is an Icelandic band, uh, and uh, Ken was correct. It is the Sugar Cubes, so Camp Man's getting credit on that one. All right, number seven. I think this one probably caused a little bit more trouble than some of the others. Willie Nelson. What'd you come up with, Camp Man? Um, yeah, so this one was tough. Um, I remember reading his uh, band name. He's he's one of those artists that you're kind of surprised has a band name behind him. Uh, and I was surprised to read it recently. And I kind of remember it either being like patriotic or like associated with uh, Native Americans, but we couldn't come up with a reliable answer. So we just said, and the American band. All right. And uh, America's ass. What did you say Willie Nelson was a part of? We we were kind of like, I, well, I mean, I thought I'm like, I only know it as Willie Nelson. So we just locked in with Willie Nelson band. All right. So he was a part of the Highwaymen. Mm. Does that ring a bell? Oh. A little bit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, sounds, it sounds obvious after the fact, but uh, there, uh, no team's getting credit on that so one. It's kind of wrong on my train of thought anyway. So, oh, well. Yep, unfortunately. All right, number eight was Scott Weiland, and he's a part of uh, two relatively famous bands. Uh, what did you say for this one, America's Ass? So we locked in with Velvet Revolver and Stone Temple Pilots. And Campman. Wanna run to your wicked goddamn? <laughs> <laughs> we had the same. Yeah, Stone Temple Pilots and Velvet Revolver. Well done, both teams. All right, and uh, there were two additional bands now for Joan Jett. So uh, what do you know about Joan Jett, Campman? Well, uh, I know that uh, as I was on my uh, plane ride back from Europe recently, uh, next to me, my friend Austin, who has been on the show, was watching a Joan Jett documentary. And, <laughs> that's, uh, that's too much of a coincidence. And the two bands are the Blackhearts and the Runaways. All right. And America's Ass, what oh, did you say on that one? I knew that. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have it. Um, we could only come up with the Blackhearts. And uh, I literally have a blank written for the second one. So I guess we're punting on this one. Hello, Caitlin. Hello, Zach. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Campman hit it right on the head. It's the Blackhearts and the Runaways. So good fortune for Ken. Did you know the Runaways? Yeah, yeah. I knew oh, okay. Anyways, I knew that from I the sh- Kristen Stewart movie. I mm. should have known it from that movie. Oh, she's a good. Uh, she's good, Joan Jett. <laughs> yeah, and then the Blackhearts performed at WrestleMania. They opened. Uh, they did Ronda Rousey's uh, theme music, which is Bad Reputation. It's they did cool. The last one in the round was Eric Clapton, and I was looking for three bands for that. And uh, what did you come up with, America's Ass? Well, there's uh, a list of about 20 that we could probably pick from, but the three that we came up with were Cream, The Yardbirds, and Derek and the Dominoes. Yep. Other than his solo project, the three that we were thinking of were Cream, Yardbirds, and Derek and the Dominoes. And those are the three big ones that I had, uh, so uh, both teams getting full credit. So following the swing round, uh, Team America's Ass adds another 20 points, five points apiece for those questions, uh, moving to 70 points, and uh, a true swing round going from 30 to 70 themselves. 
can't man so it's all tied up after the swing round nice yeah we've we've gotten the help of the wasp and uh we've pushed a little further now so we're we're getting there a white anglo-saxon protestant just came through the door to help us out i was excited it was going to be evangeline lily but hey guys you playing trivia i can help (laughs) why do you always go to that like 1920s voice (laughs) you like questions i got answers uh you would be great at selling newspapers on a corner. Yep. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to round two. Uh, question one. Fans of Guitar Hero know the difficulty of which 2001 metal song by Tool, which contains 47 different time changes. It's crazy to think that in the end, all the pieces fit. We are locked in. My Guitar Hero knowledge is not good. What about your yeah, Tool knowledge? And nor my Tool knowledge. <laughs> Oh my god. By all accounts I should know because I was a you know, fifteen year old when these games started coming out, so I like the prevalence of like late nineties, early two thousands music in this uh in this game. It's helping me out. The only the only really hard song I can remember from uh Guitar Hero is by Dream Theater, so it's not that. <laughs> oh my god. But the the hint there is like coming like pieces coming together and i'm like oh i wonder if i'm trying to think of puzzle i know and i don't know enough tool songs to probably think of this jigsaw let's let's play a game (laughs) (laughs) it's guitar hero it's guitar hero (laughs) every time you miss a note i'll cut off on your fingers i was just saying that could be a very different movie but yeah it would be um zach and Caitlin, your hands are barbed wire to the guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> Complete the level or your hands will bleed. Uh, I don't, oh my god, I don't know. Let's just say puzzle. Puzzle. And puzzle. they're locking puzzle in master. with puzzle <laughs> and can't man. Well, Tool is famous for uh, song names that are just short and to the point. Um, I wasn't familiar with what Tool song was actually in Guitar Hero, but he said the pieces... Um, and the song that goes, I know the pieces fit is schism. And so with, uh, yeah, with 47 different time changes, which actually the, if you like musical notation, this is a very interesting one to look at. Uh, the tool song is schism. It's probably their most famous song. Yeah. Yeah. Question two. Ida Tarbell was an American writer, investigative journalist, biographer, and lecturer. She was also one of the leading muckrakers of the progressive era and the leading force behind antitrust movements, which ultimately led to the dissolution of what business? often known for its ruthless and unrefined business practices. This is going to kill me because I, as is the life of a question writer, I suppose, I was researching a question with Ida Tarbell. Because she's a badass? Yeah. <laughs> and I had all the notes ready. I haven't written the question yet. And I know all of these details Jeff is talking about, but I cannot remember. Well, he said unrefined. Right. Like oil or... That's what I was thinking. Oh. Something like that. So does that ring a bell? Coal, oil. I think it is an... I think it is an energy. Um, oh, yeah, that is ringing a bell. Um, was Rockefeller the oil guy? Yeah. Yeah. Let's say Rockefeller. Okay. Okay, so Campman is locking in with Rockefeller. What did you have to say the uh, the business she brought down was America's ass? Um, so Rockefeller was the oil guy. Um, you guys are right about that. But his company was Standard Oil. And uh, points going to America's ass. It was Standard Oil. John D. Rockefeller. Correct. I'm I'm pretty satisfied with how close we got there. Yeah, we, we knew it yep. was... Yeah, we, we got there, but... Because we started at zero. We, yeah, we did. Right. It's pretty good. We got about 75% of the way. 
which is still enough for a hundred percent of no credit. So, all right, thanks. <laughs> you guys don't round up in this game. No, no. <laughs> the scores would be ridiculous if we did. Almost only counts in uh, Kent's dating life. <laughs> and horseshoes. And horseshoes. <laughs> and hand grenades. Yeah, as I've been told, I haven't played hand grenades yet, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> all right, question number three. What TV show, named for the town it takes place in, is set in a small town in Kansas, which is literally and figuratively left in the dark after seeing a mushroom cloud appear over nearby Denver, Colorado? The short-lived TV show ran for two seasons on CBS. Okay, I, I, I got this one. My boy's in it. Uh, we're going to lock in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Twin Peaks, that had a single season. Yeah, that ran for two seasons. Oh, it did. Yeah, two seasons. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking, and I thought it was Twin Peaks, Colorado. Twin Peaks in Kansas? That Kansas? I thought it was in Colorado, though. So it's... that's the only thing. I'm, but the Colorado mushroom cloud was throwing me off. But is it Twin Peaks, Kansas? Well, like, I got, I have no better answer right now, and I'm driving me nuts. Do you want to just go with Twin Peaks then? Because there's at least a an inkling that it could yeah, be right. Yeah, it's worth a shot. Let's let's yeah. lock in with Twin Peaks then. All right. We're uh, locked in. So uh, this one I knew right away for a couple reasons. Has um, your favorite wrestler in it? Uh, he's not in it, but <laughs> one of my favorite wrestlers it is named after. Uh, so around this time, 24 was in season six, and uh, they did something that they had never done before. Uh, every previous season, Jack Bauer, his catchphrase was, where's the bomb, where's the bomb, and he defuses the bomb, but in season six a bomb actually goes off in Valencia, California, and there's a giant mushroom cloud, which is kind of a crazy twist. And around the same time, for some reason, TV execs were obsessed with mushroom clouds going up. And I think it was the year after this show came out with uh, the uh, ever amazing Skeet Ulrich from Scream. I presume that's your boy. And he's my boy, <laughs> Skeet Ulrich. Uh, and the show was called Jericho. And uh, it took place in a little town of Jericho, Kansas, and sort of an apocalypse-type scenario, and uh, it is Jericho. Well done. All right, question number four in the round. Every magician knows that a magic trick has three parts. The pledge, the turn, and what 2006 Hugh Jackman film? Got it. Get out of here. <laughs> Speaking of Michael Kine. 2006. It's not going to be a darn Wolverine movie. No. <laughs> Uh, is it is the prestige? But I can only remember Christian Bale being in that. Was okay. Hugh Jackman in that too? I don't know. Uh, I'm helpless on pretty much any movie, really. But yeah. the prestige was the one thing that I wrote down. Yeah, because that was the magician one. Although I like I like the other magician one that came out, The Illusionist, better. But at Ooh. the same time with Ed Norton. Oh no, it's a much better movie. No, no. I'm sorry. No, no, you misunderstand. <laughs> I am agreeing with you. Yeah, okay. I love The Illusionist. The Illusionist is so good. <laughs> Philip Glass, um, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, so I mean, I would go with The Prestige because that, that would make sense here. It fits not with the other called... two words. Yeah, the only other word I could think of is like, reveal, but that yeah. wasn't a movie. So yeah, right. let's go with The Prestige. Okay. Locking uh, in with Prestige. You guys were so close. I, you know, if you would have went Kate and Leopold. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Uh, Ken, uh, you knew this one right away, as, as well as I did. What, what did you say? The Prestige. Yep. So those are the three parts, and the finale is The Prestige. And so. then you open up the cage, and there's a dead bird in it. And yeah. you're disappointed. Yeah. And David Bowie loves potatoes. Yep. I did quite like him as Tesla in that. Yeah. Star right. Joe. 
Yeah. Right? Yep, ScarJo. I quite liked The Prestige. It's one of my favorite Christopher Nolan movies. But it's in the top ten. Because he's because he's done what nine? <laughs> done about nine or ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, there's going to be not really any spoilers here, um, but I went on a little bit of a Madonna kick for the next the whole round. And uh, so all these questions are going to have Madonna in them at some point. So I hope you enjoy that. All right. Um, So question number five. Don't cry for me. Argentina was a surprise hit for Madonna peaking on the hot 100 at number eight in 1997 recorded as the sweeping centerpiece for what film the song wasn't necessarily a made for radio hit single. We're locked in. All right. I said Evita. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm done locking in without talking to you now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was a musical, then yeah, yeah not made for... Yeah. We also went with Evita. And you are correct. It is Evita. Well done. And before we move on, at the start of this round, it looks like uh, the teams are kind of trading blows here. Um, Cantman has pulled into a slight lead with 110, America's Ass 100. All right. Question six. Material Girl is one of those singles that some people might assume was a number one hit. However, it topped out at number two on the Hot 100 in 1985. The second most abundant type of matter in the universe is known as baryonic matter. That's the stuff you can actually interact with, and it accounts for 5% of the total mass energy of the universe. What accounts for 27% of the mass energy of the universe? Well, that took a right turn. Okay, I wrote down dark matter. I'm not sure if they want something more specific, but... What in the hell does this have to do with Madonna? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not sure if that's where they're heading with this. Do you want to lock in with that then? Yeah, let's lock in Dark Matter. Okay, locked in. Dark Matter. Well, Dark Matter is a term that's always on the top of mine and Neil's minds because it's a uh, very good... uh, coffee roastery here in chicago is dark matter coffee and uh scientifically we think uh, that's the correct answer as well dark matter so um 68 of the mass energy of the universe is dark energy but that doesn't necessarily have a, a mass component we, we're not quite sure but uh we've hypothesized that the rest of it in between uh 27 is dark matter so hey points all around nice. science Yay. question and that's because we're living in a material world neil so now is dark apparently matter not oh. okay. <laughs> What's the stuff that Thor was trying I, to get from the, the bad elves in the dark world? Was it dark matter? In the second one? Yeah. The, the ether. ether. The ether. Oh, okay. Ether. All right. Number seven. Madonna's first top 10 single, Borderline, was the first of a staggering 17 consecutive top 10s for the singer from 1984 through 89. There are currently two sets of countries who are single neighbors with other nations via a land border. One pair is Haiti and the Dominican Republic, sharing the island of Hispaniola. What is the other pair? Depending on how things go, they might not be neighbors for long. We're locked in. Oh, oh, it's, it's, um, it's Ireland it? and the UK. So because wait, I, I guess I'm, I'm confused about the question. It's like, because it's a single land border, right? Yeah, two countries that only border each other and don't border anything else. Oh, you're right. Okay, yep. No, all right. I see what you did there. Yep. Okay. Okay, for us, um, my geography might be off, but I thought um, one of the Koreas kind of hung off on a peninsula, so I went uh, North and South Korea. All right, so um, North and South Korea, South Korea does have one border with North Korea, but North Korea has two additional neighbors being Russia and China. Um, So I gave the example for that specific reason, and uh, 
America's ass is correct. So Ireland, mm. uh, the island of Ireland is re- separated into Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. So they are the only single land borders with each other. Hmm. Good job. Yeah. And uh, that's part of the problem with Brexit right now is they're trying to figure out what to do with Northern Ireland. So question number eight in the round. One of two new songs recorded for Madonna's first greatest hits album, 1990s, The Immaculate Collection. Which song shares its name with an FX drama, which ran from 2004 to 2011? This drama was one of a few shows which cemented the network's place among critically acclaimed content creators. Okay, guys, we are uh, locked in here. There was like one that was set in like the Wild West or something, and it had uh, What's-His-Face, who was in Santa Clarita Diet, which is definitely people are sleeping on. I love that show. It was not Justice. It was, uh, it was what the hell was it called? Justify. It was called Justify. Which I think Justified. is Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a Madonna song that's called that. That is the best thing we have by far. Okay. You want to do that? Justified? Yeah. Let's go with Justified. All right. Justified. So initially we heard Madonna, greatest hits in TV. And the first song that came to my head was Four Seconds, which is Madonna featuring Justin Timberlake and Timbaland. Uh, you only have four seconds to save the world. Um, Coincidentally, Justified is a... Justified is a Justin Timberlake album, yeah. his first solo album. Um, so the so Justified, uh, I think, came out a little bit later because in 2003, when uh, Jeff was mentioning that this would have premiered, um, Timothy Oliphant, who she was talking about, uh, yeah. was on Deadwood on HBO. Um, I always confuse So Look, Mr. Frodo, it's Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> and uh, a shame for Santa Clarita Diet that they've canceled it because I hear it's a great show. Um, so Nip Tuck... The Shield and Rescue Me were the three FX shows that we could think of. We knew it wasn't The Shield because uh, it just doesn't seem right. I mean, Rescue Me just sounds like a pop song, doesn't it? It does. Um, and that's what we went with. So we went with Dennis Leary's Rescue Me. So yeah, running from 2004 to 2011, uh, it was Rescue Me featuring Dennis Leary. And it was one of the really popular, successful shows for the network that kind of cemented their place as no longer just a rerun network. Cool. All right. Question number nine. So Madonna supplied the title track from the James Bond film Die Another Day. It became the first Bond tune to reach the top 10 of the Hot 100 since what bands A View to a Kill did number one in 1985? We're locked in. Oh my god. I've heard this before too. I've had this question before. I can't think of it. I've learned nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our world. (laughs) I know I've looked at the list of these Bond songs before, and then and the list of bands that did them is always surprisingly big. Is it like, Duran Duran? That is actually the one thing that I wrote down. Yeah, I think it's Duran Duran. I know they did one of the Bond songs, and I it, couldn't tell you which one. Yes, it's yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Duran Duran. Okay, timing's yeah. right. All right, we'll lock that in. Yeah, Ken did a Christopher Walken impression uh, and said uh, Duran Duran. <laughs> and. <What's> uh, <laughs> Explain yourself. Well, Christopher Walken, yeah. Christopher Walken is the villain in A View to a Kill. Oh, okay. Yeah, with Grace Jones. Oh, that yeah. reference was so deep that I'm drowning. <laughs> uh, regardless, both teams are getting credit. It is Duran Duran. All right. And the last question in the round, uh, question 10. Keep It Together was the fifth commercial single from Madonna's 1989 Like a Prayer album, peaking at number eight. What fundamental interaction keeps protons and neutrons stuck together? I don't even listen to the first part of your question. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna lock in. It's a real shame. I'm dropping some great Madonna stuff here. What do you so think? 
I don't know which one it is. It's either the weak nuclear force or the strong nuclear force. I'm Maybe the to... weak force because, I mean, there are ways that atoms can be blown apart. Yes, yes. but it's but the the whole nuclear fission thing is that it's supposed to be really really hard to do, which is splitting the right. nucleus of atoms apart. Where electrons, when they get excited, just pop off willy nilly, and that's how you get ions. Right. So I feel like the electrons to the nucleus are the weaker forces, and the protons and neutrons well, that are in the nucleus are the stronger forces. The electrons, though, would be electromagnetic force, keeping them together because they would be attracted to the protons in the nucleus. Not super confident, but I think we're going to lock in with the weak nuclear force. Okay. Um, I... I'm somewhat familiar with the stuff that you guys have been talking about, but I didn't want to get into those weeds with Neil, so I just wrote down magnetism. <laughs> <laughs> Everyday magnets, Ken. Yep. Um, so, no, uh, magnetism uh, would be over a much greater distance uh, than this. Um, the uh, weak nuclear force keeps uh, electrons in check and causes uh, uh, decay, and it is the strong force that keeps uh, neutrons <sighs> and... Uh, Protons bound together. Oops. Sorry. Hope. <laughs> All right. So after that round, you, you know what that means? It's pretty close. It's 140 to 130 with Cantman just in the slightest bit of a lead. One ant, one ant hair away. One ant, one ant hair. Yeah, one millimeter away. Yes. So uh, we're going into the final round with uh, some pretty close scores. 140 to 130. All right, so I didn't intend this at the start of the game, but we've carried a little bit of an Avengers theme through. So uh, I've got uh, some final round categories that you might quite enjoy, being Cantman and America's Ass. And your categories are Iron Man, Cap, Hulk, Thor, and Black Widow. All right, so all of the wagers are locked in. So in the category of Iron Man... What three-time Oscar winner and five-time nominee started his career in traditional animation, directing films such as The Iron Giant, before moving on to much more heroic pursuits with Pixar? Number two, the category of Cap. In comparing equivalent ranks across the U.S. Armed Forces, in what branch of the U.S. military is the rank of Captain the lowest? In the category of Hulk... Dr. Bruce Banner is exposed to gamma rays during an accident which causes him to become the Incredible Hulk. What type of electromagnetic radiation, which has slightly longer wavelengths and falls just below gamma rays on the electromagnetic spectrum, would Dr. Bruce Banner probably not have had a great time with? Alright, the category in Thor. Thor lends his name to more than just billions of dollars worth of box office success for Marvel Studios. As the Norse god, his name is also the namesake of Thursday, literally Thor's Day. The other weekday names in English are derived from Anglo-Saxon names for gods in Teutonic mythology. Name any of the other gods whose names we derive days of the week from. And the category is Black Widow. I did quite a bit of research on this. It's unclear which species of spider is the deadliest, you know, quickest to kill or most effective. Uh, so Black Widow's unquestionably ranked somewhere near the top. What is unquestionable, though, is what Goliath spider, named for its prey, is actually the largest, with leg spans up to 11 inches. Okay, we'll uh, go talk about these. 
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. All right. So everyone's locked in? Indeed. Perfect. All right. So we will go back to the question in Iron Man. What three-time Oscar winner, five-time nominee, started his career in traditional animation, directing films such as The Iron Giant before moving on to much more heroic pursuits with Pixar? Uh, Cantman, what did you wager on this one? We wagered 20 points, which will continue for the entire final round here. 20 points all the way down. Uh, this director uh, made Ghost Protocol, which was one of my favorite Mission Impossible films, and that would be Brad Bird. All right. And uh, what did you wager on this one, America's Ass? Uh, we also wagered 20 points, and our answer is also Brad Bird. Well done to both teams. Both teams getting 20 points. The correct answer is Brad Bird. And the question in cap. So I'm going to provide a small clarification here. Uh, I guess there's a couple answers, um, and I'm going to go off of uh, pay rank basically, for, for trying to figure this out. Um, so in comparing equivalent ranks across the U.S. Armed Forces, uh, you can give me any branch of the U.S. Mili- uh, military where the rank of captain would be lowest. And uh, you wagered 20 again, right, Campman? Mm-hmm. What did you say for this one? Yeah, we were going back and forth between uh, branches. Uh, we thought Marines might be a good answer. Um, but ultimately, uh, we don't know a lot about the Coast Guard, so we thought that that might be uh, hiding in there somewhere. So we said Coast Guard. All right. And what did you wager on this one, America's Ass? Uh, We also wagered 20 on this one. um, And we had a very similar conversation. We're like, well, what's the Coast Guard? But then I was, we kind of talked around it because the Coast Guard, like, would the captain be the lowest ranking if they're on a boat? Maybe not. And then we ended up locking in with Marines. All right. So uh, for the the navies, um, the rank of captain is similar to an army rank of colonel or an Air Force group captain. 
Uh, so any of the Army's ones are where you're going to find it. It's lower, and that would be the U.S. Army or the U.S. Marines. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll be getting credit on that one. On to Hulk. Dr. Bruce Banner was exposed to gamma rays during an accident, which caused him to become the Incredible Hulk. Which type of electromagnetic radiation has slightly longer wavelengths and falls just below gamma rays on the electromagnetic spectrum? And I guess you could orient the graph in any way. So I, I mean below in the sense of intensity. Mm. But longer wavelengths is clearer regardless. So what did you say on that one? Can't man wagering 20. Yeah, we had a lot of trouble on this one. Uh, and eventually we just settled with ultraviolet. And America's ass. I'm going to miss saying that in a few here. <laughs> uh, so we had a lot of stuff. This this one took us forever to come up with a like anything reasonable. Uh, it was more just things that we could rule out, things that we knew weren't the right answer. Um, and so what we eventually decided on was something that's more extreme than gamma uh, might be alpha. All right. So uh, unfortunately, um, gamma is about as intense as it gets. Those are the shortest wavelengths of, of electromagnetic radiation. The ones that fall just above that as far as intensity and wavelength or below in terms of intensity, but longer wavelengths would be x-rays. And uh, he probably wouldn't have had a good time with those either. So neither team's uh, getting credit and both teams losing points. So can't man will lose 20 and America's ass will lose 15 on that one. On to the question in Thor. From the discussion in the studio, I think this is probably going to be good because it seems both teams knew days of the week. So, uh, but I'll, I'll lead it in. With, I know all seven. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Campman, what was your response for this one? Yeah, we, we had discussed um, a bunch of different names. Ken brought up Odin uh, being responsible for one name, uh, which I think is right. But I just knew strongly um, from researching a little Norse mythology a little while back that I believe Tyr, or however you pronounce his name, T-Y-R, is the god of war. And I believe he is the inspiration for Tuesday. So that's what we went with, T-Y-R. All right. And uh, America's ass, what did you wager on this? Oh, uh, yeah, we wagered five points on this, uh, and we said Odin for Wednesday, I believe, of the day. All right, starting strongly there. Tuesday comes from Tyr, the Norse god of war. Tyr was one of the sons of Odin, also known as Woden, the supreme deity after whom Wednesday is named. Similarly, Thursday comes from Thor, as mentioned. Friday is from Frigga, wife of Odin, and uh, the odd one out is Saturday, which comes from Saturn, the ancient Roman god of fun and feasting. And sitting. <laughs> I, when you said I thought you were joking or something like oh poor Woden no <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's, that's real okay it is it is real <laughs> not making this stuff up <laughs> all right so both teams uh, getting credit on that and the last one was in Black Widow and uh, like I said based on my research I couldn't tell what was deadliest but there's definitely a biggest spider and uh, wagering 20 again on this one what did you say can't man yeah we might be just an a hair away from the correct answer on this one or should i say a feather um i know it's it eats birds and i think it's named after its prey and uh we said bird killer bird killer bird killer ken clenching his teeth in that one and uh, america's ass what did you would you say for this one what was your wager uh yeah we wagered 10 and i believe it's the bird eating spider i might be eating crow here and the correct answer is the uh, Goliath, which I already gave in the clue, bird-eating spider. Does it kill it too, though? I mean, it just 
the wolves it all down. <laughs> they are horrifying. Do not look them up. All right. With that, I've got all of the final uh, wagers added in to the score, and that's going to bring Can't Man up to or down to, sadly, 120 points. But very triumphant. America's ass, 170 points. You nice are this job. week's cream of the crop. I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. Yes, what a comeback. That is America's ass right over there. It is. It, I, I, all the adversity bounces <laughs> off it because it's so firm and, and American. <laughs> I mean, do you really need to describe it? It takes care of itself. It That's does. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Zach and, and Caitlin, for joining us today. Uh, yeah, and we appreciate both of you being Patreon supporters. Uh, as Jeff said earlier, uh, means a lot to us and the show. Uh, and it's, it's literally the whole thing. Yes. Yeah, we couldn't do the show without your support. So, so thank you very much for that. All right. And uh, on behalf of, of Caitlin and Zach, Ken and Neil in the studio with me today. And not Matt. And not Matt's, Matt. Uh, at his Cinco de Mayo, sponsored by Hellman's. <laughs> <laughs> that was Triviality. Beautiful. All right. How many times can we say ass on this uh, podcast without uh, just listen to the, getting the, into trouble? The Big Sean song called Ass goes ass, 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 <laughs> ass, 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 ass. <laughs> By my account, that's 43 right now. So. <laughs>